God bless you and welcome to the Solution Radio Show. Thank you for joining me today. I'm Greg Backus, your host. Jesus Christ is the solution for all the situations you and I might find ourselves in. He is God's solution for all mankind, for all time. He stated in the Gospel of John, chapter 14, verse 6, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes unto the Father but by me. He is the way, the truth, and the life. Jesus Christ is the one who makes a difference. He made a difference in people's lives 2,000 years ago when he lived and walked among people. And he makes a difference today because he was raised from the dead and is seated at God's right hand in the heavenlies. I trust that Christ Jesus makes a difference in your life today, that you see the tremendous love that God has for you, that you come to have a deeper and more full relationship with God as your heavenly Father, that you see your purpose in life is far above the day-to-day circumstances of life. God's love for you It knows no bounds. Today we will hear some wonderful music and read some of the Bible together regarding the resurrection of our Lord Jesus Christ. Our interview segment is with Mike Verdicchio. Mike is an ordained minister, author, speaker, and a longtime friend of mine. It's an interview I trust you will enjoy. Let's start off with Call It Grace by Unspoken. It's the light that pierces through you To the darkest hidden place It knows your deepest secrets But it never looks away It's the gentle hand that pulls you From the judgment of the crowd When you stand before them guilty And you've got no
Words mean something. Words can inspire and encourage, or they can cause despair and fear. The words of politicians move nations to action, while the words of some endeavor to instill fear and paralyze the hearers. The words of a radio commercial persuade the hearer to purchase a product, while the words of the talking heads on TV give information tainted by the prejudice of the one who speaks. Every day, we're all inundated by words, words we hear, words we think. But in my humble opinion, the three greatest words ever spoken, He is risen. Let's read the record in the Gospel of Matthew where those words are spoken by the angel of the Lord. We'll start in Matthew chapter 28, uh, verse 1, if you have your Bible handy. In the end of the Sabbath, as it began to dawn toward the first day of the week, came Mary Magdalene and the other Mary to see the sepulcher. The Amplified Bible maybe more accurately translates the beginning of verse 1 there than the King James does that we just read. The Amplified reads, Now after the Sabbath, near dawn of the first day of the week. The new day in the Hebrew calendar began at sunset. One day ended, and the next began around dusk. Matthew 28.1 is referring to Saturday evening at the end of the weekly Sabbath. In today's teaching, we don't have the time to go into all the detail of the timing of the death and resurrection of our Lord Jesus Christ. But if we put aside religious tradition and look at the truth contained in God's Word, it is clear that Jesus died on a Wednesday afternoon around 3 p.m. as the Passover lamb the day before the high holy day of the special Sabbath that took place in the first month, the month of Nisan. Tradition teaches that Jesus Christ died on Friday afternoon and was raised from the dead on Sunday morning. Tradition is not accurate when it contradicts God's word. It's an impossibility to get three days and three nights from Friday afternoon to Sunday morning. It's not even possible to get a full two days and two nights. The law required that Jesus be dead for three days and three nights. Jesus Christ came to fulfill all the law, and he did. He was dead and buried for 72 hours. God raised him from the dead on Saturday afternoon of the weekly Sabbath around 3 p.m. Saturday near dusk at the end of the weekly Sabbath, the beginning of the new day, this is when Mary Magdalene and the other Mary came to see or gaze at the sepulcher where Jesus had been buried, which we saw here in Matthew 28, verse 1. As we read verses 2 through 7, it's important to understand that they complement and fit with the other three Gospels in the recording of the record of the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. These verses are a summary when considered in light of the other three Gospels. We will just read them through as in order that they're listed to get to the heart of today's message. That is, the three greatest words possibly ever spoken. He is risen. Verse 2, And behold, there was a great earthquake. For the angel of the Lord descended from heaven and came and rolled back the stone from the door and sat upon it. His countenance was like lightning, and his raiment white as snow. And for fear of him the keepers did shake and became as dead men. It says here in verse 2 that there was a great earthquake. The angel of the Lord descended from heaven and rolled away the stone, and then he sat on it. His appearance, the angel, was like lightning, and his clothes as white as snow. What a sight that must have been. Those guards that were guarding the tomb dropped to the ground, and they became as dead men. They didn't move. They buried their heads. 
The angel rolled the stone away, and he sat on it. Was anyone going to remove the angel and roll the stone back in front of the entrance to the sepulcher? I don't think so. What a sight that must have been. What a moment to have been witness to. Verse 5. And the angel answered and said unto the women, Fear not you, for I know that you seek Jesus, which was crucified. He is not here. Verse 6. For he is risen, as he said. Come see the place where the Lord lay. He is risen. The three words that have dramatically changed the course of men and women's lives. No man prior to this had been raised from the dead in a glorified body. Sure, Jesus Christ raised Lazarus from the dead, but he was raised still in his mortal body, and Lazarus later saw death. Jesus Christ was raised from the dead in his glorified, new, perfect body, never to see death again. I say in the intro of this show that Jesus Christ makes a difference because he has been raised from the dead. Well, that's true. There is no other human being that has died and then been raised from the dead. Jesus Christ is the only one. He was God's perfect sacrifice by his obedience to do all that his Father requested and all that the law demanded in order to redeem you and me. God showed his approval of the life of the Lord Jesus Christ by raising him from the dead. What an incredible moment in time for all mankind. Jesus Christ is alive today. Buddha is dead. He was never raised from the dead. He died in 483 BC. He did not pass through thousands of existences leading up to his time here on earth. Those are lies from one who is now dead. Mohammed is dead. He was never raised from the dead. He died in 632 AD. He was a false prophet. The Hindu religion claims millions of gods, none of which is a savior for mankind, none of which died and then was raised from the dead. There are many, many other religions out there in the world today that claim to have truth. Jesus Christ stated in the Gospel of John chapter 14 where he said he was the way, the truth, and the life. He either lied or he told the truth. I believe he told the truth. The reason Jesus Christ could be the way, the truth, and the life is because God raised him from the dead. Let's look at a few of the resurrection appearances of the Lord Jesus Christ. His first appearance recorded in God's Word was to Mary Magdalene. And we'll read Mark chapter 16, verse 9. Now when Jesus was risen early the first day of the week, he appeared first to Mary Magdalene, out of whom he had cast seven devils. Then Jesus Christ also appeared, here's another record, to two disciples on the road to Emmaus. We'll read this in the Gospel of Luke, chapter 24, and verse 13 is where we'll start. And behold, two of them went that same day to a village called Emmaus, which was from Jerusalem about three miles. And they talked together of all these things which had happened. And it came to pass that while they communed together and reasoned, Jesus himself drew near and went with them. But their eyes were holden that they should not know him. In other words, they didn't recognize who he was. Verse 17, And Jesus said unto them, What manner of communication are these you have one with another as you walk and are sad? And one of them, whose name was Cleopas, answering said unto him, Are you only a stranger in Jerusalem? Didn't you know the things which are come to pass there in these days? And he said unto them, What things? And they said unto him, Concerning Jesus of Nazareth, which was a prophet, mighty indeed in word, before God and all the people. Verse 20, And how the chief priests and our rulers delivered him to be condemned to death, and have crucified him. But we trusted that it had been he which should have redeemed Israel. And beside all this, today is the third day since these things were done. 
Yea, and certain women also of her company made us astonished which were early at the sepulcher. And when they found not his body, they came saying that they had also seen a vision of angels, which said that he was alive. And certain of them which were with us went to the sepulcher and found it even as the women had said, but him they saw not. Verse 25. Then he, Jesus, said unto them, O fools, and slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Ought not Christ to have suffered these things and to enter into his glory? And beginning at Moses and all the prophets, Jesus expounded unto them in all the scriptures the things concerning himself. Wow, <laughs> what an incredible conversation that must have been. Let's continue. And they drew near unto the village where they went, and he, Jesus, made as though he would continue on further. But they constrained him, saying, Abide with us, for it is toward evening, and the day is far spent. And Jesus went in to tarry with them. And it came to pass, as he sat at meat with them, he took bread, and he blessed it, and he broke it, and he gave it to them. Verse 31, And their eyes were opened, and they knew him and he vanished out of their sight. And they said one to another, Did not our heart burn within us while he talked with us by the way, and while he opened to us the scriptures? What a conversation that must have been. Jesus opened up the Old Testament scriptures and taught them all that pertained to him. Their heart burned within them as the scriptures were unfolded to them. Doesn't your heart burn within you when you hear the truth and it all fits and it makes sense and God opens the eyes of your understanding? And another great part of that record, look how Jesus Christ dealt with the individual. Well, really, the record even before that, where we read that he appeared to Mary Magdalene, just one person. Here on the road to Emmaus, two people, two men walking. He didn't appear to the governor. He didn't appear to the multitudes of thousands at the Colosseum. He didn't appear to Caesar. He appeared to people, humble people. Let's look at another record where he was seen of Peter, and that takes place in Luke 24, verse 33. And they arose up the same hour and returned to Jerusalem. This is continuing. The men on the road to Emmaus, and they found the eleven t gathered together, and them that were with them, so there was more than just the eleven, saying, who was saying this? Verse 34, the eleven and those that were with them, saying, the Lord is risen indeed, and he has appeared to Simon, Simon Peter. And they, verse 35, the two on the road to Emmaus, they told the eleven and the others that were gathered with them, what things were done in the way as they walked, and how he was known of them in breaking of bread. Another record where Jesus Christ was seen of 11 of the original apostles, not Thomas, he wasn't there, and other disciples, as well as the two on the road to Emmaus. We're continuing here in Luke 24, verses 36 through 48. And as they spake, Jesus himself stood in the midst of them and said unto them, Peace be unto you. But they were terrified and affrightened, and supposed that they had seen a spirit. And he said unto them, Why are you troubled? And why do thoughts arise in your hearts? Behold, look at my hands and my feet. It's me myself. Handle me. See, for a spirit has not flesh and bones, as you see me here. And when he had thus spoken, he showed them his hands and his feet. And while they still believed not for joy and wondered, he said unto them, Do you have here anything to eat? And they gave him a piece of broiled fish and a honeycomb. And he took it, and he did eat before them. And he said unto them, These are the words which I spake unto you while I was yet with you 
that all things must be fulfilled which were written in the law of Moses and in the prophets and in the Psalms concerning me. Then, verse 45, opened he their understanding that they might understand the scriptures. And he said unto them, Thus it is written, And thus it behooved Christ to suffer and to rise from the dead the third day and that repentance and remission of sins should be preached in his name among all nations, beginning at Jerusalem. And you are witnesses of these things. What a remarkable record. How he appeared to the men on the road to Emmaus. Then they returned back to Jerusalem, where eleven were gathered along with some of the disciples. And the eleven gathered there with the disciples told the two men on the road to Emmaus that Jesus had appeared to Peter. And then Jesus appears to all of them in that time, in that place where they're discussing about his appearance to Peter and him walking on the road to Emmaus with the two men. <laughs> what a remarkable time that had to have been. What a joyful, wonderful time. Uh, then another record Jesus appears a few days later to his disciples behind locked doors, and this time Thomas is present. We'll read this record in the Gospel of John, chapter 20. We'll start in verse 24. But Thomas, one of the twelve, called Didymus, was not with them when Jesus came. The other disciples therefore said unto him, We have seen the Lord. But he said unto them, Except I shall see in his hands the print of the nails, and put my finger into the print of the nails and put my hand into his side I will not believe and after eight days again his disciples were within and Thomas this time was with them then came Jesus the doors being shut and he stood in the midst and he said peace be unto you then he said to Thomas reach hither thy finger and behold my hands reach your hand and thrust it into my side. Don't be faithless, but believe. And Thomas answered and said unto him, My Lord and my God. Jesus said unto him, Thomas, because you have seen me, you have believed. Blessed are they that have not seen and yet have believed. And many other signs truly did Jesus in the presence of his disciples, which are not written in this book. But these are written, that you might believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that believing, you might have life through his name. Another appearance is where Jesus appeared to seven of the disciples on the shore of the Sea of Galilee. And this record's in the Gospel of John, chapter 21. We'll start here in verse 1. After these things, Jesus showed himself again to the disciples at the Sea of Tiberias, and on this wise showed he himself. Verse 4, But when the morning was now come, Jesus stood on the shore, but the disciples knew him not, that it was Jesus. Then said Jesus unto them, Children, have you any meat? They answered him, No. And he said unto them, Cast your net on the right side of the ship, and you shall find. They cast therefore, and now they were not able to draw it in for the multitude of fishes. Therefore that disciple whom Jesus loved said unto Peter, It is the Lord. Now when Simon Peter heard that it was the Lord, he removed his fisher's coat and he cast himself into the sea. And the other disciples came in a little ship, for they were not far from land, but as it were two hundred cubits, dragging the net with all the fishes. As soon then as they were come to land, they saw a fire of coals there, and fish laid thereon, and bread. Jesus said unto them, Bring of the fish which you have now caught. Simon Peter went up, and he drew the net to land, full of great fishes, a hundred and fifty and three, for all there were so many, yet was not the net broken. Jesus said unto them, Come and dine. And none of the disciples dared ask him, Who art thou? knowing that it was the Lord. Jesus then came, and he takes bread, and he gives them, and fish likewise. This is now the third time that Jesus showed himself to his disciples 
after that he was risen from the dead. Another record where Jesus Christ was seen by 500 at one time, and that record's in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 6. After that, he was seen of above 500 brethren at once, of whom the greater part remain unto the present, but some are fallen asleep, some have died. Then he appeared to just James. That's the next verse here in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 7. After that, he was seen of James, then of all the apostles. Verse 8 here in 1 Corinthians 15 is where Paul saw the Lord on the road to Damascus. Verse 8 reads, And last of all, he was seen of me also, as of one born out of due time. Jesus Christ in his resurrected body was seen of many. No other man in all the history of mankind has had an effect upon all mankind to the degree that Jesus Christ has. He is God's only begotten Son. He is man's Redeemer. He is to be our Lord and our Savior. What does it mean to us today that God raised Jesus Christ from the dead almost 2,000 years ago? The great deliverance that we have available to us today is the new birth. What is the new birth? It is to receive the Spirit of God, which is to receive eternal life. Jesus Christ redeemed mankind from the clutches of the evil one in order that men and women and children could become sons of the Most High God. How does this happen? How does this take place? Let's look at Romans chapter 10, verses 9 and 10. That if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus, and shalt believe in thine heart that God has raised him from the dead, you shall be saved. For with the heart man believes unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. That's it. It's no more difficult than that. If it were, we'd all fall so far short. God and our Lord Jesus Christ, they have done all the heavy lifting, all the hard work. If you believe that God raised Jesus Christ from the dead and confess Jesus as Lord of your life with your mouth, you are born again of God's Spirit. You have received eternal life. We all believe what we choose to believe. We've just read many verses regarding Jesus Christ's resurrection and his appearances to many in his resurrected body. Believe that God raised him from the dead. Confess him as Lord of your life. You've been Lord up till this time, and it hasn't worked out very well if you're honest. Confess Jesus as Lord. Say, Jesus, you are now Lord of my life believing in your heart that God raised Jesus Christ from the dead. God is so very good and gracious. He is loving and kind. He loves you. He is pursuing you. He is desiring for you to accept His salvation through Christ. Jesus Christ is your solution. He is your deliverer. He is your Savior. Let's close here in the Gospel of John, chapter 20, verses 29 through 31. Jesus said unto him, Thomas, because you have seen me, you have believed. Blessed are they that have not seen, and yet have believed. And many other signs truly did Jesus in the presence of his disciples, which are not written in this book. Verse 31. But these are written, that you might believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that believing you may have life through His name. Christ the Lord is risen today. Sons of men and angels say, Joys and trials
Our guest today is Mike Verdicchio. Mike is an ordained minister, author, Bible teacher, and radio broadcaster. He has a blog which includes both audio and video. He resides in Arizona where he teaches a weekly Bible fellowship, and he's a longtime friend of mine as well whom I first met some 25 years ago when we both lived in the San Diego area. I'd like to welcome Mike Verdicchio to the Solution Radio Show. Welcome, Mike. Hey, good morning, Greg. Wow, 25 years has been a long time. Time's flying, huh? It sure is. It sure is. What a great day to be on your show, Greg. Easter Sunday. Thank you for uh, letting me be a part of the Solution Radio Show. Uh, I'm honored to be with you, Greg. You've been doing this for quite a while, so uh, God bless you for your labor of love to spread the good news. Well, thank you, Mike. I appreciate having you give us some of your time today. Now, now, you have a blog that's titled Confidence and Joy, Practical Christian Living. Can you tell us a little bit about that and some of the great resources that are available on the blog? Sure. Uh, let me first say I'm kind of reminded of what Jesus said. The harvest is plenteous and the laborers few. And, you know, Greg, both you and I were, were fellow laborers doing, doing what we can do to share his word with people. and. Mm-hmm. You know, of course, today with the Internet, the laborers can reach out a little farther, and uh, your show 
uh, has listeners around the world, right? I mean, you get to see the stats and all that. So I just want to say God bless you and your work, brother. I'm, I'm blessed to join you and your audience today. I have this blog. I've been doing it for a number of years. It's called Confidence and Joy. Um, and I try what I do on that blog is I try to just keep it practical, mostly. Uh, of course, biblical, but practical, because mm-hmm. uh, it's you know it's great to know something from the Bible, but then how do I apply it in my life? So most of what I post on there is practical. There's articles and podcasts and videos, and sometimes I put some music videos up there. Um, I think one of the features that seems to get the most response is uh, something I call the Eastern Eye. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Sounds wild, the Eastern Eye. But it is to help people gain more understanding of the scriptures by understanding some of the culture of Bible times. So it's www.confidenceandjoy.com. And I've just had a blast doing it. If any of the listeners go there, they'll certainly enjoy reading some of the articles and a video you just did last week um, about Jesus Christ and all that he had to endure in the suffering. I thought that was very good and informative. Now, you wrote a while back a book titled Healing from God is Available. Uh, the book contains several records from the, Bi- from the Bible of God's healing deliverance. Uh, what are a couple of the key truths that you would consider that we must know and understand in order to receive healing from God? I would say basically the title says it, Healing from God is Available. Mm-hmm. God's desire is for you to be healed. I think one of the great keys is that healing from God is a gift. You don't earn it. You know, like Peter said, such as I have, give I you in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Rise up and walk. Uh, Healing is a gift. We don't earn it. You can't be good enough to get it. It's just a gift from God. In Corinthians, it talks about gifts of healing. So Mm -hmm. healing is a gift. That's a a real big key in receiving healing. Well, you know, when it comes to healing, too, I sometimes hear people say, and really actually last week I heard someone say that the sickness they had, it was God's will for them to have that in order to humble them. And sometimes people will say, well, it it helps God to teach me a lesson. When it comes to healing, yeah, yeah, it's always God's will to heal, right? Yeah, you know, you hear that um, often. You're right, you know, where... People are sick, and it's, you know, God's way of proving me, testing me, and that's a great discussion, and I could probably talk for an hour about that, but the sim- the simplest that I know in talking about that is in the book of Acts, I believe it's chapter 10, uh, Peter was preaching, and he said that uh, God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and power, and then it says, Jesus went about doing good and healing all that were oppressed of the devil, mm-hmm. or God was with him. God was with him. And boy, when you look at that verse and just stop for a minute and go, whoa, wait a second here. God was with him. He was healing people that were oppressed of the devil. So just logically, if God gave people sickness, then Jesus was going about undoing the Father's work. Mm-hmm. And that's certainly not true. The Bible says Jesus always did the will of the Father. Therefore, the will of the Father has to be healing. Right. And never in the Word do we see Jesus Christ make somebody sick or tell them that God gave them an illness to make them more humble. Exactly. Can't read that again yet. Right. Yeah, it's just, just not in there. And to know the Father, well, we see Jesus Christ always did the Father's will, as you said, and he said that you would know the Father by the works that I do and by the words that I speak. So, Amen. Well, in your ministry to others, are there any major obstacles that sometimes keep people from receiving the healing that's so readily available from God? And, and if so, if you've run into certain types of obstacles, how might we over, overcome those? Well, Greg, you know, I think one of the biggest obstacles, and, and maybe not just healing, but maybe in receiving from God, and certainly healing's part of that, but I think one of the biggest would be condemnation, you know, sin consciousness. Mm -hmm. And there are several places in the Bible where healing and forgiveness come up together, sometimes in the same verse. And so um, a, a really great key is to accept God's forgiveness. And boy, here we are at Easter reminding ourselves that 
you know, Jesus Christ paid the price for our sins, uh, not for ours only, but it says for the sins of the whole world. Mm-hmm. And in, I'm sure you're familiar with the verse in First Peter, where where both um, the the sin problem and healing are mentioned, um, and it's you know it, that verse uh, reminds you of the verse in Isaiah, which is very similar, but it talks about how Jesus Christ bare our sins uh, in His own body, that we could be dead to sins and live unto righteousness. That's one the sins, and then it says by whose stripes you were healed. So there are both in the same verse, and it's so many times you see in the Bible where the two go together, and in fact, I believe there's a record in the Gospels where Jesus Christ was healing someone, and the first, he didn't say, you're healed and forgiven, he said, your sins are forgiven. Mm. And then, you know, the religious people got all up and armed, what do you mean forgiving sins and all this stuff? But the two were together, and it kind of indicates that Jesus ministered to this man about his condemnation and to let him know that God forgives. Mm-hmm. And boy, I'll tell you, as far as obstacles go, sin, condemnation, um, it's, the Bible says if our heart condemns us, then we don't have confidence toward him. If our heart condemns us not, then we have confidence toward him. So sometimes it's the sin consciousness, the condemnation, that people feel unworthy to receive healing but boy, oh boy, Jesus Christ paid the price for all of our sins, and really we ought to accept the forgiveness that's available to us because of his completed work. Boy, that just sort of covers everything. He was a complete Savior, and he just did so much for us. And really it just comes down to believing the Word. Do we believe that the Word is true? That Amen. he gave his life, and he covered all of the sin, as well as the very nature handed down from Adam, and the consequences of it, which is going to include that sickness, and uh, he's just a complete Savior that did it all for us. So thankful for that. Yes, now, we are. <laughs> you mentioned earlier that this weekend we are celebrating the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, and in God's Word there are several post-resurrection appearances of Jesus Christ. His first appearance was to Mary Magdalene at the site of his burial. Then shortly after that, the women who went to the tomb to properly anoint his body for burial were told by the angels that Jesus had indeed been raised from the dead. Here it is, women being the first ones that are being told that he is risen and or the first appearance of Jesus Christ in his resurrected body. Uh, What is the significance of women being the first to see the resurrected Christ and to hear of his resurrection? Well, I'm glad you asked me that because I'm going to be teaching on some of this stuff uh a little later today, but, you know, it's something you don't really hear about too often. Um, historically, we know that Jesus died, and after he died, we know historically they promoted his resurrection. To this day, you know, whether you're a Christian or not, the resurrection of Jesus Christ has been promoted for 2,000 years. And as you were mentioning, the written records of the resurrection are, you know, we read about those in the four Gospels. So here's here's the logic. If those who wrote the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, if they were promoting a lie, in other words, if Jesus really wasn't resurrected, if they were promoting a lie, there is no way any person in their right mind could ever tell the story that they told if it was a lie. Right. Because all four Gospels testify the news of the resurrection was, as you said, given first to women. You know, they tell of Jesus first appearing to Mary Magdalene and then to the other women. And the Scriptures also say that the angels told the women to go and tell the others that Jesus was raised from the dead. In our culture, we go, yeah, that's fine. But you would never, ever come up with a story like that in that culture if you were promoting a lie. I mean, if you really wanted people to believe you and you were trying to promote something that wasn't true in that culture, you would never have women as the first eyewitnesses. No one would believe that in that culture. And notice when the women told the men they didn't believe them, they're like, oh, come on, you guys are crazy. Because you see, in that day and time and culture, the women did not have all the rights that men had. I mean, even today, Greg, there are some cultures where women do not have the same rights that men have. 
And so if you were promoting a lie in that culture, you would never, ever have women playing such an important role if you were promoting a lie. Hmm. And, and really, when you think about just that one point, that, that could easily be classified as evidence and proof of the resurrection. Because in that culture, an angel appearing to a man would be much more credible than an angel appearing to a woman, and especially angels telling the women to go tell the men. So uh, that's a little bit of what I'm going to share this morning. I'm glad you brought that up. Ah, I get, wish I was there in Arizona to, to share in that meeting. <laughs> That'd be great. <laughs> and that is remarkable, too. God does not do things in a small way, and many times he's very unpredictable as far as the culture and society goes, and that's a perfect example of that. Uh, making it known first to the women instead of to the men. So that's great, Mike. Thank you. Uh, in, in closing, Mike, is there anything on your heart today that you'd like to share with the listeners to encourage them in the things of God? There's a new poll that came out last week. I just saw it a couple of days ago. 77, I think it's uh, Rasmussen poll, 77% of Americans believe Jesus Christ rose from the dead. And what's interesting is the numbers are up from last year. And I, I, I look at this every year, um, just kind of curious. But the numbers over the last, oh, I don't know, two or three years had been declining. And so it was, it was really good to see that the numbers in the poll are, are up this year. And it, they took this survey a couple of weeks ago. Meanwhile, we hear that the religion of Islam is the fastest growing religion in the world. And, of course, we all know that there are some very, very evil people doing very, very evil things in the name of Islam. And so that's the world that we live in. But the Bible says, God so loved the world, meaning everybody, mm -hmm. that whosoever believes in Jesus Christ would not perish, but be saved. God so loved the world, that whosoever. And I, you know, I often think of that, whosoever. And, and again, Jesus' words are still true. The harvest is plenteous, the laborers are few. And when you think about the great Apostle Paul, before he was converted, he was a religious terrorist. Right. He was a murdering religious terrorist. But he got converted, and he took the good news all over the world with no radio shows, no TV, no blogs, no internet, no books. Mm -hmm. um, I recently did a post on my blog called What's in Your Past, and it was uh, talking about some of these things and the conversion of Paul, and but mostly about forgiveness. And because it really doesn't matter what you have done in your past, God will forgive you. And if you haven't accepted Christ, it's so easy. You you know, to accept, to acknowledge, to admit, to agree that Jesus is Lord of all mankind, and then believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, the Bible says you're saved. And when you're saved, you're forgiven. And then if you've already accepted him and, you know, had a little bumpy road here, and you need forgiveness, then remember that he was the complete payment for all sins, and accept God's forgiveness. And I think, you know, around this time of year is a good time to re-remind ourselves. Of course, we can do it every day, but um, at least around this time, maybe we can really reinforce in our hearts and minds that God is a God of forgiveness. He is a God of love. And if he could forgive the great Apostle Paul for all he did, then he can certainly forgive you and me. I, I've not killed Christians. <laughs> <laughs> right. Um, but again, it goes back to what we were talking earlier, that condemnation and sin consciousness. That's such a great obstacle in receiving all that God has available for us. And we have a complete Savior who did it all for us, and forgiveness from God is available. We need to accept his forgiveness, and then we can receive more of what he has available for us. And then remember that nothing can separate us from the love of God. Because I think that kind of goes hand-in-hand hand with forgiveness. And when I read that verse, Greg, that nothing can separate us from the love of God, I'm always reminded that there's nothing so bad that I could do that God wouldn't love me anymore. But there's also nothing so good that I could do that he would love me more. 
His love is just constant and consistent, and nothing separates us from his love. And I'm just real thankful that uh, we have a wonderful Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, and all he accomplished for us. That's some wonderful words of truth, Mike. Thank you for sharing that. Uh, It blessed me, and I have no doubt that it blessed others that listened to it. Um, What is the best way for our listeners to get a hold of you if they'd like you to either speak at their group or their church or their Bible study, or if they'd like to access your blog as well and subscribe to that? Real simple, uh, same for all of those. If you go to confidenceandjoy.com, there's a, a button at the top there that says Contact. And uh, you can send me an email that way. And then uh, anything else that I have on the blog that's available, please take advantage of that. And again, I want to thank you, Greg, for having me here. And I certainly thank God for your efforts and labor of love in getting the message out, not just uh, in the Chicago area there, but around the world on the Internet. And I'd just like to say for those listening, I mean, if Greg's show blesses you, well, Maybe you could send his link in an email to someone you know, and perhaps there's something in his archives that would really help and bless someone. Be a fellow laborer, too. Help spread the good news with with Greg. Well, thank you, Mike. I appreciate the kind words. And on our website as well, I'll put up a link to your blog there, confidenceandjoy.com as well. Thanks well, so thank much. thank you very much. And I, I'll, uh, post a, I'll post a link to, this, uh, to today's Easter broadcast. Uh, so that folks that um, go to my blog uh, could get blessed uh, seeing your your site and, and your good work. Awesome, Mike. Thank you so much for joining us today. God bless you. God bless you, Greg. Thanks again. Who am I that the Lord of all the earth would care to know name would care to feel my hurt who am I that the bright and morning star would choose to light the way for my ever wandering heart not because of who I am but because of what you've done Not because of what I've done But because of who you are I am a flower quickly fading Here today and gone tomorrow A wave tossed in the ocean Vapor in the wind Still you hear me when I'm calling Lord, you catch me when I'm falling me rise again 
you've done Not because of what I've done But because of who you are I am a flower quickly fading Here today and gone tomorrow A wave tossed in the ocean A vapor in the wind Still you hear me when I'm calling Lord you catch me when I'm Thank you for joining us today on the Solution Radio Show, and thank you to Mike Verdicchio for sharing his heart and life with us as well. All of the Solution Radio Shows are archived at thesolutionradioshow.com, where you may re-listen at your convenience. There are also links to the websites of our guests and musicians and sponsors. A reminder that the Praise Line is open 24 hours a day, where you may call in and give a testimony of God's working in your heart and life. The number is 844-705-3410. We will play some of those testimonies in upcoming shows. Please continue to keep in your prayers the expansion of the Solution Radio Show. If you're not in the Chicago area and not able to listen live on WBIG 1280 AM, which is out of Aurora, uh, you could download the WBIG app. They have it for both the iPhone and and on the Google Play Store for the other smartphones. And you could listen to it live uh, through that app. It's 10 a.m. Uh, Central Standard Time here in the Chicago area. The Solution Radio Show is listener-supported, both by your prayers and your financial giving. All donations are tax-deductible. Thank you for your support. It is greatly appreciated. Our mailing address is The Solution Radio Show, P.O. Box 9002. Naperville, Illinois, 60567. There is also a donation link available on our website. Have an awesome rest of your day. God bless you. You are God's very best. <laughs>